Hi, everyone. You're listening to Making Account, a podcast that explores everyday financial topics to debunk common money myths. We're your hosts, Christina. And Will. Whether you're just establishing yourself financially, working to break that paycheck to paycheck cycle, or wanting to optimize your savings, we've been there. And done that and still have more to learn. So join us as we interview local financial experts, answer your burning questions, and share our own money experiences on Making Making It Count. I'm so excited for today's episode because we are covering something that is super stressful or can be, I'm sure it won't be after this episode, car buying. I'm really excited for this one. I haven't gone car shopping in a while, but I've done my fair share of it already in my lifetime and it's been very it's very stressful every time I do it it is and you know what my least favorite part is the negotiating like I'm just not a good negotiator so that stresses me out I get stressed out by the idea of like where am I getting my loan how much am I putting for my down payment am I getting a good deal like you said the negotiation it's tough we will cover all that and more with our guests who both work in the consumer lending department at Edition Financial Then we'll talk about whether it's possible to get a car loan assistance in the segment we call the sum up. And at the end of our episode, we'll provide some useful resources to help our listeners in our making account every day. Let's get started. I can still remember my first time car buying experience. Ah, Take us back. I wanted a Beamer. I wanted a Mercedes. I wanted the whole, I wanted to be in lap of luxury. My budget was more of the Corolla or Honda Civic style. Uh, but I ended up getting a used Corolla. And um, I, while I have now helped my partner buy a car and other things, this is, I'm still driving that same Corolla today. Wow, look at you. It, it does not die. <laughs> Do you, so are you hoping to buy a new car soon? I have committed that I will be, and as long as this car continues doing as well as it is, as it is right now, I will be in this car and through the end of next year. That is my commitment. Wow, you committed to something. I did. I put it down and I talked about it to Zach. I was like, this is what we're doing. I'm impressed. I, in my lifetime, have only purchased two cars, one from a private seller and one from a dealership. So I feel like I've gotten both of those experiences, but I'm a ride until the car rides no more. So I'm definitely... It's not that easy for (laughs) having a little bit of a hard time with it. (laughs) So let's meet our guests. Today, we're excited to have two consumer lending specialists from Addition Financial. Will you please introduce yourselves? Hi, my name is Kevin. I'm the consumer lending manager at Addition Financial Credit Union. Hey, and my, my name is John Lang Lewis. I'm the dealer relationship manager. I work with all the dealerships as a liaison between Addition Financial and the dealership level. We are so excited to have you guys. You can tell from our little introduction that we have, you know, a lot of questions. All right. So the first thing that comes to mind when I'm thinking about shopping for a car is how much car can I afford? So what is the best way for us to figure out how much we can actually afford to spend? Uh, That's a great question. Um, In your intro, you spoke about how you wanted a BMW and turns out that a Corolla was, you know, uh, better suited for you at the time. Turns out you can't get a $20,000 BMW very easily. so you really want to look at your income and your expenses. And, you know, generally speaking, uh, you want to, you know, take the total you make per month. And we generally say about 30 to 50 percent should go towards your fixed expenses every month. And that would be your car payment, housing, um, credit cards, things like that. 
and then that will give you an idea of you know how much you should be spending on your car. Um, you would figure out the monthly payment, and that'll determine how much you can afford. So that seems really straightforward, but I'm sure there's exceptions to that. Are there any exceptions? Yeah, there's definitely exception. If you're if you have you know, a house paid for that could definitely play a difference in what kind of car you're going to buy. You can probably end up going with a little more expensive unit. If, uh, you know, there's other debts that you don't have that, you know, me personally, I've racked up some credit card debt that goes towards my monthly expense, but it really depends on being careful about how much you want to spend monthly. Uh, it's very important because that's what you're going to pay monthly. We all use our bills, do our bills by a monthly basis. So you really want to look at that monthly payment and make sure you're comfortable with that. And I'd say if your income fluctuates monthly, you want to always err on the, the lower side or on the caution. So some months you make more or less, you always want to focus on the lower months and that way you have that cushion. So then when figuring out exactly how much you can afford, a lot of times we're taking into account trade-in. So how do they figure into the calculation when you're looking at that overall, what can I afford? That's a really great question. So when you are looking at purchasing a vehicle and you have a trade-in, you want to do research before you go to the dealership and you want to know exactly what your vehicle is worth. And there are a lot of different options and different websites that you can utilize to determine the value of your trade-in. Uh, there's NADA, Kelly Blue Book. Um, there are you know, a lot of options and you want to do that research before you go to the dealership so you know exactly how much your car is worth that you're going to be trading in. Kevin, um, I would add that if if you really wanted to go further, you there are dealerships such as CarMax is one example, but there are others that you can actually take your vehicle to. And within 30 minutes, they'll let you leave with a seven-day appraisal. And what that means is they'll appraise your car based off of the value of the car at that moment. And if you're within seven days of buying your vehicle, you'll have a piece of paper that says, this is how much they will give you if you bring that vehicle back. And that's a really big way to be able to know what you're dealing with as it pertains to your trade when you walk into the dealership to make sure that these guys are going to give you what it's worth. Yeah, because the condition of your car also plays into it, right? So like, correct. I feel like we're all probably a little more optimistic about the condition of our car than what is actually happening. You know, my car. I well, say what is condition is your car in? <laughs> so it's not a looker. <laughs> But it it runs great. There's no issues. Like every time I go, I kind of ask them with a little bit of hope in my voice that maybe it'll be some major problem. But they always say, everything looks really good. You know, and I'm like, oh, I really can't get rid of it. And referring <laughs> really sticking to that commitment. Referring to what Kevin was saying about the websites that you can go to, the NADA.com, the KBB.com, which stands for Kelly Blue Book. Edmunds.com is another avenue. Uh, you want to make sure you're honest. You do you don't want to say super clean, for example, when it's really just a little rough. So and that's very important because they might think that your cars are a little rough. So it's all it's best idea is to go a little bit lower. So this way you, your expectation is right when you go into the dealership. And there's another number you always want to take account for. If you still owe a balance on the car you're trading in. Very you want to call your bank or financial institution to find out how much you owe on that car you're trading in because you might owe more than what it's worth. And, and that'll factor in, you know, when you're in your new vehicle as well. Well, Kevin, you're looking at two people who have paid off their cars. No car payments. Woo -woo. Parked next to each other outside. <laughs> Mine is in good condition. <laughs> Mine runs well. 
what about right and wrong time to buy a car whenever it seems like a major holiday is coming up or tax time or end of year? Like, is there a real good time to buy a car? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And like you said, typically and around holidays, like we have the 4th of July coming up, it's a great time to buy a car because car dealerships are, have a lot of extra incentives and, and different things going on. So uh, anytime there's a, a, a holiday, that's a great time to buy a car. And you're, and you're going to see a lot more sales during those times, which allows the dealers to be able to be a little bit more flexible. You know, a dealer that's not selling very many cars is not going to be as flexible as someone who's actually selling a bunch. Uh, and we've all seen all these commercials uh, when it comes to President's Day, when it comes to Fourth of July. You turn on the TV, you're going to see a car commercial. And that's the time that people want to try to go in because there's going to be more car sales, which allows them to be a little bit more flexible. Not that there's a guarantee, but it does help. Uh, you've also got end of model years. It's a very important thing. And that falls around when? When does end of model year usually fall? Typically, I would say on the later end of the current year. So, for example, 2020s will start to die out at towards the end of 2020, not 2021. You do not have to wait till January 1st of 2021. Uh, certain cars take longer to produce, and therefore they're going to you know, take a little bit more time to actually get onto the lots. Uh, but you could start seeing... 2021s as early as June sometimes. Mm. So uh, I have not seen any yet, but I do know that that is a, a proximate time that they will start pushing them forward. But the key to that is a dealer has all these new vehicles. And when the manufacturer, a Toyota, a Ford, a Nissan, want to get their new product onto the lot, because they always do, it's the new shiny thing, they are saying to the dealers, hey, you guys need to make room for our new product, our new shiny toy. So we need you to push these out. Here's some extra incentive to be able to get those off your lot. I'd also throw in uh, when interest rates are low. It's a great time to buy great a vehicle. Because mm. interest rates, you know, a couple percent, that could add thousands of dollars to the total life of the loan. So it's a great time too. And right now interest rates are great. So... I'd imagine also if it's a great time to buy, then if you currently own your car and you're happy with it and you're, you owe money, it probably is also a good time to refinance when the interest rates are low. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we do a lot of refinances at Addition Financial and it, it's a way you can you know, lower your payment and it's going to save you money over the life of your loan. Um, so sometimes you can drop 3 4% in a refinance. Which could be hundreds of dollars, up to hundreds of dollars. And save on your monthly payments. On too. monthly payments. Yeah. Yeah. And also, if you purchase your vehicle and, and maybe you had some challenges with your credit and you've worked really hard and you've improved your credit, you could qualify for a lot better interest rate. So that's something to be mindful of as well. If you've really worked hard, if you notice your score has gone from, let's say, 660 to 720, you could absolutely qualify for a lot better rate. That's a great point, Kevin. And, and a small adjustment in your credit score could mean a good difference in your interest rate. So we know what kind of car. We know it's time to buy a car. What what's the first thing that we need to do before we start car shopping? Can we loan shop? Is that a thing? Like, what what do I need to do next? Well, purchasing a vehicle, it's all about preparation and research. And there's a few things that you always want to research. Um, like you had said, um, interest rates. You know, look at different credit unions and banks that that you work with, and different manufacturers offering different incentives. Um, it's really important to see you know what's out there and be an educated buyer. 
Uh, aside from interest rates, uh, we talked about the um, the trade-in, making sure you know what your vehicle's worth. And, and then on your new vehicle, doing research on if it's a brand new vehicle, what are dealerships selling that vehicle for, what incentives are out there. And if you're purchasing a pre-owned vehicle, there's a lot of resources out there as well to know exactly what you should be paying for on that new vehicle. And when, and when talking to my friends and family, I, I kind of break it down to three key points in when you're purchasing a vehicle, especially when you're in the beginning phases of looking. And those points are just like Kevin was saying, how much is my trade worth? How much do I owe on that trade? Would go with that. Uh, so you know kind of what you're going into. Do you have negative equity? Do you have positive equity? Are you going to break even? Uh, the second thing would be the price of the car. That's going to be those two top things that you want to have before you really go in just to get a good idea of where you're going to be looking. And then the third thing would become the finance. And those are the three major key points that I tell all my family and friends. If you're going to go in and buy a car, you need to look at all three of these things and make sure you know exactly what you're looking for. Uh, you can go to the lots. You can look at stuff. But without knowing all those components, and you won't know the finance, I should, re I should rephrase. You won't know the finance until you actually get through the first two, which is the trade and the amount you're going to buy it for. But if you pay attention to all three of those things, you can't go wrong. And research is everything. So going into the you know, different dealers to see what they're offering. So you mentioned <clears throat> specifically uh, negative equity, positive equity. So talking about what your trade is worth versus how much you owe. So can you trade it? Can you even trade in your car if you if you owe more than it's actually worth, and that might be what rolled into the next loan. Uh, yeah, a lot of times, uh, you know, people do that all the time. Um, typically, when you're trading in a vehicle with a balance, you probably will owe more than it's worth um, because you're trading it in, you get a lesser amount than what. And cars depreciate for. so quickly. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. And our average people keep cars for 29 months on average. These That's days. it. That's it. 29 months? Yeah, no, she's had her car for... <laughs> 11 nine, plus years. Oh, 11 years. Everybody wants the new shiny thing. There. Except for me. I'd rather have that shiny money in my pocket <laughs> so I can go on vacation. But I know you want the shiny new car. I do, but I'm being good. I'm you being so good. I'm being, you, I'm being very good. I'm so I'm using that car payment for other things. And it's, yeah. But, it doesn't always feel that great to be this good, though. <laughs> but to answer your question, yes, you can... Any negative equity you have on the vehicle. So let's say you owe a balance of $10,000 and you're going to trade your vehicle in and the dealership says, we'll give you $6,000 for your car. Well, that 4000 has to go somewhere because you have to pay off your old loan. So what they'll do is they'll add that $4,000 to your new loan and you'll be paying for it with your new vehicle. So, um, it, you know, it depends on the situation. Uh, a bank won't let you roll an endless amount of money into your new loan. So we do try to protect the consumer and make sure that, you know, you're, you're not rolling you know, $20,000, $30,000 in negative equity in there. Because um, what happens, unfortunately, if you're rolling negative equity from one loan to the next, and then two years later, you roll it to the next and to the next, you're just digging yourself a hole. So, um, you know, we keep an eye on that for our members here to make sure that they're not doing that. And that just goes back to being an educated buyer, just understanding what you're paying and what you're paying for. Exactly. So, yeah. Good idea to put money down when it comes to a negative equity situation because you're already going to be a little upside down when you leave the lot. That goes for new or used cars. You're still going to lose some value when you drive off the lot. So the more money you can put down on it to cover that negative equity, if you are negative, is going to benefit you in the payment. 
and the value. So as you gentlemen already know, I keep cars for a long time. I kept my first car for nine years. This car is 11 years old. Um, Will, no more jokes about how young you are. Um, So one of the reasons I don't like getting a new car is because I have to go in there and do that awkward negotiation. And I am not great at it. And my husband is doesn't like to do it. So it falls on me. So do you have any tips on when you get to the dealership? How how can I negotiate with that? Or what's my best approach? Well, I mean, I think that's a fear that a lot of us share because it's, it's uncomfortable because we both have two different objectives. As a consumer, I want to pay as least as possible for that vehicle and the dealer probably wants to charge me as much as they can. So we're both going into the transaction looking for different ends. Uh, it comes back to what we spoke about earlier, doing research, you know, knowing what your trade-in's worth and knowing how much you want to pay for that new vehicle. But additionally, uh, we always recommend getting a pre-approval before you go to the dealership. You know, here at the credit union, you can come in, apply for a loan. You don't have to have a vehicle picked out and we'll let you know what you qualify for. What can you spend? So we'll let you know, hey, you're approved up to 35000 And that way, when you go to the dealership, you can maybe exclude those more expensive vehicles because you know that's out of your budget and really focus on the vehicles that you know you can afford. And just because I am approved for $35,000 car loan doesn't mean I have to spend $35,000. Oh, no, absolutely not. <laughs> you definitely want to go back to what we spoke about earlier and knowing exactly what your budget is and knowing what that payment equates to because um, that's really what's coming out of your checking account every month is that monthly payment. I think that's exactly that, John, exactly what you said about people almost don't care about how much it costs overall. It's how much is it going to cost me every month? So I think knowing that before I even walk in the door would be really helpful. Sure. And, and there's a common practice that I use when I explain this is add $1,500 for additional fees. So whatever the car price is, plus $1,500, that gives you a decent gauge. It's probably going to be less than that, but it could be a little bit more depending on tax, tag, title, uh, additional fees, correction, title, tag, not tax. Tax would be a separate thing, so you have to consider that as well. So you're looking at the price of the car, the $1,500 that I mentioned for additional fees, the tax, and at that point, you're looking at only the back end remaining. So back end meaning gap, warranty, additional products, uh, as, as people would mostly know it. Uh, if you want gap, if you want warranty, you have to add that to the price. And there's lots of payment calculators out there that you can plug those numbers into, providing you use those examples, the price of the car, the 1500 the gap, warranty, and the tax. And that would give you a good gauge on what your payment's going to be. I, I'm Okay, so I've got to ask. I have no idea what gap insurance is. Like, what is it? Like when I go in there, like, oh, you can get all these things. And like, I don't know what it is. First of all, I'd like to correct you. I actually do know. Oh, okay. Should we quiz <laughs> you, Will and see you if made, you got it right? Okay. You made a false you? statement, though. It's not gap insurance. Oh, okay. Correct me. It's guaranteed asset protection. Oh, okay. And what is it? And then we'll, and then the guys will well, tell you if you're, if you're right or not. I'll give you my rudimentary explanation. So, uh, let's say you total your car, right? Mm -hmm. You owe more than what it's worth. You still have your loan. So basically the insurance is not going to pay that amount. Gap comes in and pays the remaining gap amount. Oh, all right. Is that a, that's do? a very How rough explanation, do? I assume. Uh, that's, that's pretty accurate. That's a, a plus. Know. Whoa, A plus. Yeah. So basically, you know, if God forbid you're in a 
an accident, your vehicle's totaled, the insurance is going to say, well, this is what we think your car is worth. And anything in excess of that, uh, you'd be responsible for. And if you do have this gap policy, um, they will hopefully cover that. It's not endless. Uh, you'd have to read your specific policy, know what they'll go up to. But essentially, they've covered that gap for you. So you don't have to be responsible for it. Because if, if you don't have gap coverage and you owe 15000 and State Farm gives you a check for 11000 you still have to pay that $4,000. Good job on knowing the uh, acronym. Bravo, Will. <laughs> yeah. I know some John gave you an A+. Plus. Get that smirk off you. You've never face. got an A+. Plus. No, I, I, I strive for that every day, too. All right. So at the end of it, it's kind of stressful when you're in that moment of figuring out the price and looking at this like, okay, I'm going to owe twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000. So how can you kind of know up front? You mentioned, you know, adding the 1500 adding the taxes and everything. But how do you know that you're actually going with, a, you have a good price? How do you know that what they're presenting you with is actually a, a decent price? Well, I think you can mitigate that stress by being an informed consumer and doing your research. And, you know, what we've kind of said a few times about knowing what your car is worth, knowing how much you want to pay for the new car and knowing what you can afford with your monthly payment and going in, having all those numbers in your head. That takes a lot of the stress out because you know what you can afford. You know how much you want to pay for your new vehicle and you know how much you're going to expect to get it for your trade-in. So you have, you already know the numbers. So then it'll just be working with the dealer trying to come to terms um, on a fair price. And and having all of the the numbers that you're Ex- your expectation in the right zone is what I would say. Just making sure that your expectation is that of, okay, I know kind of what I'm looking at, uh, but go into this as a negotiation. This is not a gallon of milk. It's basically you and the dealer, like Kevin said, perfect example. They're looking to sell it to you as high as they can. You're looking to go as low as you can. So don't feel that throwing out a number, they might, you know, feel dis- that that was distasteful number, but that's a strategy that you want to try to you know make sure you overcome. You're looking at a negotiation. Some folks might get a little bit perturbed in having to negotiate, but if you just get your mindset right, have those those um, the the education of what you're looking for in the background, when you go into the dealership, you're already going to be more confident. Use that as a business negotiation. It is a you know, twenty, forty, sixty thousand dollar car, whatever it might be. It's not something that's very small that you can say, hey, you know, maybe I'll give you a little bit less and they'll take it. So So I can't go to Target and tell them, no, I want to spend a hundred dollars, not hundred and fifty dollars. It doesn't work like that at Target. Only if you have a red card. Oh, I do have a red card. Of course <laughs> I have a red off. card. Of got course you have a red card. You guys scan everything. There's also secret deals. Oh, you okay. use the app? And well, yes, always. And they'll match Amazon prices, just so you know. Okay, quick tip from Christina. Oh, no, you Ding. price match. <laughs> I always wonder why people scan their phones. Yes, there's hidden deals at Target. Oh, that's a whole nother episode. Okay, so I'm you so unlocked bad. Her, her secret obsession here. <laughs> I'm so bad at negotiating that the last time, again, 11 years ago, I'm grown adult. I brought my dad with me. Because I didn't know know how to, I didn't know what to do. So even as an adult, I felt like I needed help. But I think that's so great to come prepared. Yeah. And I think it's great to bring someone with you that maybe has more knowledge or more familiarity with with buying a vehicle. Even if it's just another voice of reason Mm -hmm. next to you that has less stake in it. Because when you're buying a car, I know I can speak for myself. 
I get very like, I want this car. This is the one I want. I, I just test drove it. I mean, I can't have it. So it's good to have that voice next to you that's like, it's okay. We can, we can work through this. Yeah, it's always, very emotional. Always remember, you have the right to walk away until you've signed the contract. So up until that point of signing, you have every right to walk out. You don't need to have that car if it's not comfortable for you. If you feel like you're too much pressure and you want to go home and you want to list, think about it and stew on it and do some more research, I recommend that too. Don't be so apt to just jump right in and say, okay, I'm doing this tonight. I'm already here. I might as well. And the That's more big, you big know mistake. up front, it's going to be easier for you because sure. you'll know, okay, this is what I'm getting. I already know that this is a decent price. So when they present that deal, at least you can say to yourself, I'm getting something good or not. And if you're not prepared and you just walked in looking for the next best thing, Happens all the time. Yeah. yeah. It's the second biggest purchase you'll ever make aside from your home. So Great it's point. really Not important. For Wait, what's my first? Wait, what? Oh, <laughs> I'm like, I can't think of anything else. 10 years, we're going to come back. Still has the first Bluetooth car of all time. <laughs> Ten, that's more than some people have homes. I, I know. Well, we're about to live in our home for 10 years. I have so ever committed I'm a, to anything commit. in my entire life for 10 years while well, I'm married. So You're married. There's that. You better. So this is something that I think for car buyers, what is the difference? And I'm very passionate one way and Will's very passionate the other way. A leasing a car or buying a car? Pros, cons. So this is definitely a very personal decision uh, you want to do. Realize before you get to the dealership and um, really kind of from a high perspective, leasing is almost like you're renting a vehicle. And to break it down, you're buying, let's say, leasing a $20,000 car for three years. And at the end of three years, the manufacturer says, well, this car is going to be worth $12,000. So you're going to pay $8,000. You're paying for the depreciated amount that, for that vehicle. So your loan for three years is going to be plus fees and, and a few other things. Basically, $8,000. You're paying for the depreciated amount of that car. Good thing is, after three years, you give that car back. And you can lease a new vehicle, purchase a vehicle, or not have a car if you decide not to have a car. So it gives you a lot of flexibility. You're not stuck with that vehicle for six, seven years. There are a few restrictions with that. You sometimes are capped on mileage, maybe 10,000, 12,000 miles a year. And there's some pretty hefty penalties if after three years you go in excess of those miles. So if you're someone that drives a lot or you like to go on trips, leasing is probably not the best option for you. Or if you like to hold on to your car for 10 plus years, Leasing is probably not the best option for you. But if you like to hold on to vehicles, you know you're going to put a lot of miles on it, you want to own it yourself, probably purchasing a vehicle and financing would be the best option. So it really kind of depends. Can you guess which one is passionate about leasing and which which one of us is passionate about buying? Any any guesses? <laughs> no, I think Will might be a, a leasing fan. And I just, think Will's the least guy. Ding, ding, yeah. ding. I'm, I'm just trying to weigh all my options. You know, um, my husband has a car and it's a nice car and we, it's the reliable one. He's going to be paid off in like a year. So I'm kind of thinking through like maybe we'll have one car that we can drive around wherever we want. We don't have to worry about mileage. And then we can have my car that I can just, you know, that's about town in. But it, it's so it's I guess like like you said, Kevin, it's it based on your own like what you feel like I'm the kind of person that probably would still have a Nokia razor. Like I would still have a flip phone, but you would be the one who like buys the nice one every single year. Like that's just 
that's I mean, it's whatever is more comfortable for the personal decision. And it's, and it's the maintenance cost too on no a lease. Judgment in that. Did you hear that? It's a personal decision. <laughs> As if having like the new car. Wow, Christina. Wow. Look at that. The true colors come out. <laughs> <laughs> it is though. Like, I don't care to have the nicest car. I mine has Bluetooth audio. <laughs> <laughs> and it has the original backup sensors. Like <laughs> Does it have a backup camera? It does. No. Hello. It's 11 years old, Kevin. It does not have a backup See, camera. See, I need a backup camera, so I don't know if I could have that car. Christina You're said, what's spoiled? that? That's another thing to consider. What do you camera. want out of your car? Right. What features are you looking for? Safety features, all these other... We, doubt, we just count it to like technology, but ultimately, a lot of it is safety. So what do you want out of your car? Yeah, like, that's true. New car smell is amazing. Oh, it is. I do like that. <laughs> haven't had that in Eight years. But I hear it's toxic. Like you're not actually. It's not like good for you. Oh, I don't know. It smells so good though. I wouldn't know. I've had my car for eleven years. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys so much. We're gonna pause here for a quick commercial break, and then we'll be back with our speed round. This podcast is brought to you by Addition Financial, a member-owned, not-for-profit financial cooperative. Count them into your financial journey by exploring their educational content membership and everything they have to offer at additionfi.com federally insured by ncua and an equal housing lender we're back and i want to dive right in with our rapid fire round the making it count essentials all right guys are you guys ready this is gonna be rapid fire you guys prepared i'm a little nervous let's see if they get an a plus i don't know they gave you an a plus like so like let's see be my first two if i were you guys (laughs) if i were you guys i would give her an a plus some point during the rest of this <laughs> please please okay all right first question is how does applying to a car loan affect your credit score so this is a tough one to get real quick but i'll do my best so credit's really important um i'm a big credit advocate i'd say you should get your credit uh once per year through the credit bureaus for free so you know what's going on with your credit report um but to answer your question it really won't affect your score too much. Uh, you're allowed to apply for loans. Um, you know, you can do it multiple times if you're if you're checking out multiple vehicles. But I would say personally, my recommendation would be don't apply for a loan until or for a vehicle unless you're sure you want to purchase it. Uh, you come to your credit union, we can figure things out ahead of time, can give you rough ideas on payments and get you a pre-approval. Uh, you don't want to go all over town applying for credit, but it'll affect your score minimally. What are the benefits of getting a loan from a credit union instead of a bank? Well, uh, as a true credit union person, uh, I would say that uh, credit union rates are typically a little bit better than some of our bank partners. um, And the fees sometimes are a little bit less, too. um, So I definitely uh, recommend the credit union to do your financing. Sure. When should people consider buying a used car? If you don't have negative equity, then it might be a good opportunity to buy a used car. When you have negative equity, sometimes the manufacturer gives you rebates and re- incentives to be able to cover that negative equity. So ideally, if you have a low miles used car, it might actually come more affordable to you if you don't have neg- a negative equity going into it. Is it ever a good idea to pay cash out of pocket for the car? So this is definitely you know, a case by case specific question. However, um, 
you know, we're obviously going through some challenging times right now and cash is really important to have. So if you have a lot of cash available, then paying cash for vehicles, probably a pretty good idea. Uh, if you have a good amount of cash, uh, I always recommend, you know, maybe put a nice down payment and finance to keep that cash in case something happens down the line. You don't want to cut yourself short and and just have a car that's paid off and not have any cash in the bank. So it really depends on your specific situation. Um, sometimes there are a lot of good rebates available if you finance. So sometimes you take advantage of those rebates. Maybe as long as you, there's no prepayment penalty, you can pay your loan off early. Last question. So what are some good questions to ask? If you do decide to buy a used car, show me the Carfax. Oh, that's a good one. It's actually a true statement. So look at that. Um, you can look at maintenance records. Sometimes used cars have the previous owner had good record of that. Uh, it will also tell you on the Carfax some of the maintenance records as well. So look for those. Uh, definitely review to make sure that it hasn't been into an accident. Uh, you can also ask the dealer, of course. But more importantly, you want to see something in writing to see that. A salvage title if it was involved in a flood. Uh, during Katrina, we had tons of them that were sent all over America and they had a brand on their titles. So that's another thing that you may want to ask. You know, hey, can we look at the title record and just make sure that that's not a salvage unit? Uh, test driving is important as well. And I would always say, you know, try to look for if you're buying a used vehicle to get it certified. If you're getting, let's say, a used Nissan and you get it from a Nissan dealership, a lot of times the manufacturer will certify that vehicle where they do a pretty extensive checklist to make sure that all the components are working good on the vehicle and they'll have some extended warranties on there that are included. So that'll give you some protection as well. And you may hear of it as referred to as CPO, certified pre-owned. So if you hear that terminology, that's what they're referring to. And it is a great thing that Kevin brought up. Well, thank you both so much. This has been very helpful. So now it's time for a segment we call the sum up which is where we talk about a story in the news that relates to our main topic. So today's story is about assistance with auto loans, which is something we're probably thinking a lot about. It's in a lot of people's minds. And we're reading a lot about unemployment assistance, mortgage assistance, but I haven't heard much about car loan assistance. Do you guys have any insight into that? Yeah, uh, there's uh, there's been a lot of challenges here. Um, and a lot of banks and credit unions, we're here to help our members and our customers and um, you know, car loans aren't federally insured uh, like mortgages, but that doesn't mean that there isn't help available. We offer uh, here at Addition Financial, and, and I would recommend talking to your lender, whoever it might be, but we here offer a 12, uh, skip a payment once in any 12-month period. So if you do find yourself in a little bit of trouble, you'd obviously want to reach out and say, hey, I'm having trouble. Don't avoid it. Yeah, it's really important to always maintain communication uh, with anyone, any of your creditors. If you're having uh, challenges or struggles, they're always there to work with their customers. And sometimes there's a variety of different options versus just going delinquent and, and not making payments. That's such a good point, though. Like you said, with anything you've got credit wise, it's best to talk to your creditor up front. Tell them your situation, get options there. I'm talking through friends and all this stuff going on. I have found that people or companies are much more willing to try and help you if they know sooner. Absolutely. Until, like you said, you go delinquent and then it's tough for them to like figure out a situation. Sometimes it's too late. Yeah. But if you're up front, <clears throat> there's a lot of different options with payment extensions, skip a pays, things like that, that we can do for our members. It won't go away. A another option uh, would be consider refinancing. 
sometimes uh, if you financed a large loan and you've made three years worth of payments, well, you're, you're, if you refinance it now, you could drop your payment significantly. So, and, or maybe your interest rate. So that could help lower a $500 payment to maybe $250 and save you a lot of money per month. Another thing would be to consider your car insurance. Your car insurance has a cost and there's plenty of insurance companies out there that would love to have your business and may want to offer you a better payment, better deal. And that could have absolutely save you some money. Uh, the Geico commercial, 15%. <laughs> I would never think about shopping around for insurance. I've done it. Have you? I of have. You have. Am I more responsible than you about <laughs> insurance? <gasps> and he knew what gap was? Oh my gosh, this world is turning upside down. There's one thing I'm more fiscally responsible about. <laughs> well, thank you guys so much. I feel like Will and I have learned so much today. So Kevin and John from Addition Financial, thank you so much for stopping you guys. by today. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. You get an A+. Plus. A+. Plus. Yeah, I got <laughs> an A+. Plus. Christina, an A+. Plus. Does that go on my permanent record? Yes. And that's very important. Okay, yay. I'm so happy. Thank you, guys. All right, well, this is our favorite part of the show, which is what, what did, did we, we learn, learn today? today? So, Will, what was one of your big takeaways? Um, I think the big takeaway for me was talking about the difference of when to buy new, when to buy used, when to lease, and not necessarily when to do it, but just what to consider when you're doing it. So I really like John's explanation of when to consider buying a used car with your negative equity and what you might get out of a manufacturer's rebate. Um, I liked uh, Kevin's explanation of leasing and that kind of you're you're basically paying what they think the car is going to depreciate by. Um, so I, I think that's all very interesting. There's a lot to consider. There's a lot of options. So it's best to not just go with the first thing you see. I really took away because, like I said, at the top of the episode is the negotiation that I get anxiety just thinking about it. So just coming in with how much is your trade-in worth? How much is the car worth? Not being, not falling in love with the car you saw online. It's you can always walk away. I love that John I'll was like, you time. never have to walk. I know. Can you come with I'll me? I'll do it. I'll do it with okay. you. Okay, I'm glad because I I need all the backup I can get. Play a good cop, bad cop. Ooh, yeah. We'll yeah. But you're the bad cop. Okay. okay. <laughs> so at the end of every episode, we leave our listeners with some resources to help them make it count every day. Today, I'm really excited because we actually have four of them. Four. Four is my lucky number. That's right. So our first resource is a guide to help navigating the dealership. So we've got everything for our listeners that you need to do when you're walking into the dealership, negotiating with confidence, and then buying that new car. To go along with that, we also have a guide that will tell you everything you need to know about buying a used car. And finally, we've got two practical tools for you to try. The first one is our vehicle evaluation and loan comparison worksheet, which is really interesting. It's really detailed with checkboxes and you can write and compare each vehicle that you're looking for. And then the second one is a quiz. I love quizzes. I'm all about those to determine what type of vehicle is right for you. One with Bluetooth audio. And definitely is that comparison worksheet. That's yeah. interesting. Maybe my next one should have a backup camera. <laughs> Well, I'm looking forward to reading all these different tips and how to navigate the dealership. And I think that might really be helpful for you. Thank you to both of our guests, Kevin and John. And we'll see you the next time on Making It Count. And that's a wrap on this episode of Making It Count. Thanks so much for joining us today. And if you like what you heard, please rate and review us on your favorite podcast app. 
You can also subscribe or follow to stay up to date on our latest episodes. In the meantime, send us your questions and share your success stories by emailing us at podcast at And whatever you do, make it count.